Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. James was one of Jesus' apostles, and he travelled to Spain after Christ's crucifixion to teach Christianity. The Camino is a series of long walks, pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims walk for a range of reasons. And you find yourself asking people, why are you walking the Camino? And you're often astounded by the reason. Or perhaps not. It depends, I suppose, on the answer you were expecting. That's the great thing about the Camino. We are unsure what to expect from others and from ourselves. I wonder if we're ever truly honest with ourselves. There are so many reasons to convince ourselves not to be honest. To protect others' feelings, to protect our own feelings, to build a wall around ourselves or to protect us. Well, the Camino provides an opportunity to shed some of those layers. In asking ourselves why we're walking, why we've undertaken this journey, we can provide answers for ourselves and perhaps for others. St. James was a leader, a great fighter who led troops fighting the Moors while he was in Spain. He inspired people and continues to do so. Most pilgrims walk toward the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, where we're told the remains of St. James are interred in a crypt beneath the cathedral in the town square. Pilgrims arrive in town mid-morning, or aim to, and they attend a pilgrim's mass at midday. You receive a blessing and you begin to try to make sense of what's just happened to you. You may have walked 500 miles or 800 kilometres from saint jean de port on what's called the Camino Francaise, the most popular Camino. Or maybe you arrived in Santiago after walking the Camino Portuguese along the coast of Portugal. Or the Camino Inglés from A Coruña on the southeast corner of the Bay of Biscay. The Camino is, for many of us, our place of solace, our place of peace. Many can't believe we were lucky enough to stumble upon it. And many indeed have stumbled upon the Camino and on the Camino many times. It's part of the allure, the stumbling, falling, struggling, the getting lost, the getting found, the catching up with friends from around the world, learning from others, sharing their journey. Pilgrims get up each day, place one foot in front of the other and continue on their Camino. Martin Luther King Jr. said, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. My guest this week is an American pilgrim, Ronnie Jackson Kerr. And this is one of those podcasts where I know nothing about my guest. Welcome, pilgrim. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What's life like in Tulsa? That's right. Um, It's good. We are hanging in there. We are definitely experiencing increases in COVID cases. So we're trying to keep a handle on that. But we are taking steps in the right direction to try to get that under control. So, yeah. I was in a musical once called Oklahoma. I was Will Parker. I think I remember singing Kansas City and another song called All or Nothing. 
<laughs> it yes, seems crazy. I when I think about it, it seems crazy singing those songs in Queensland, Australia, tens of thousands of miles <laughs> from Oklahoma, but there you are. Now, if I was traveling to Tulsa this weekend, what's one thing I simply must do? Oh, um, one of the things that I highly recommend in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there is a wonderful, relatively new park that we've opened called The Gathering Place. And it's really beautiful. It's got a wonderful playground for children to play on. And it's got lots of beautiful landscape and a a nice area where you can rent boats and uh, ride around the lake. And it's really lovely. Yeah, there you go. The Gathering in in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's on the list. I said in the intro, Ronnie, pilgrims often ask each other why they're on the Camino. Why (laughs) did you walk El Camino de Santiago? Well... Um, I ended up walking the Camino de Santiago because I was a researcher and I had decided as part of my, um, as part of my grad school experience to write about the Camino and learn about the Camino. So I set out to do research. Um, interestingly enough, about a year before I was set to go out on my Camino, I lost my mother. So that added a very different dimension to my pilgrimage and a much deeper dimension to the experience. Um, but it was, it was in many ways a very healing experience and a beautiful experience, in addition to being an academic endeavor. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a kind of a different twist. I, I hadn't realized that you had done it as an academic adventure as well. Yeah. Um, well, many years prior, I had read Paolo Coelho's book, The Pilgrimage, uh-huh. and had been very intrigued by the story and by the concept of pilgrimage and the concept of the Camino de Santiago. And at the time, I didn't really see myself as the kind of person brave enough to take on such an endeavor. But Flash forward many years later, I found myself, this was 2012, I found myself back in graduate school, and a mentor of mine, a colleague of mine, had made a recommendation to me when I decided to go back to school that I should choose my dissertation topic early, and that would make my life much easier. So I appreciated that advice and took that advice to heart, and I decided in my first semester of grad school that I needed to choose my topic. So I, I'm an avid book collector. I have a lot of books that I, I have all around my house. And at the time, I was living in a tiny, tiny little apartment, but mm. it was wall-to-wall bookcases. <laughs> and I, I tend to be a very intuitive decision maker. And so I decided one night I was just going to go home and I was going to look through all my books and I was going to see if one popped out at me. Wow. And I expected uh, some sort of academic book to jump off the shelf at me, but I found myself standing in front of that copy of The Pilgrimage that I hadn't really taken off the shelf in years. And it was like the book was illuminated. It just, everything became so clear. It was amazing. And I, I ran into my advisor's office the next day and said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to walk the Camino de Santiago. I'm going to write about it. And this is what I'm doing for my dissertation. And I think he could tell by my energy that he had no choice, but to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so great. What a great story. Just take a, yeah, let's take a step 
to the side. And let me ask you, America's a big place. I mean, do you sometimes think Americans seek smaller places? Hmm, that's interesting. I I think Americans are naturally curious, and we obviously have many beautiful places to explore here. But I think as a relatively young country, we tend to think we don't have much in the way of history, And so I think there's quite an allure of Europe, at least for me. I guess I can only speak for myself personally, but um, there's quite an allure of the long and varied history of Europe. And I've been many times and I've I've explored different corners of Europe, but I keep going back to it because there's just something about that particular part of the world that really attracts me and, and calls to me. Yeah, I walked with a few different groups of Americans in 2016, actually, and I was struck by how different they were. And mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting they're any different than varied French nationals, Brits or indeed Australians, but mm-hmm. it is a big country and it's a big mm-hmm. culture like Australia yeah. and a big part of that culture is mm-hmm. a culture of great privilege. Mm-hmm. Do you Absolutely. Think, yeah, do you think we are looking when we head out on pilgrimage and it perhaps was part of what you studied Ronnie, do you think we're looking for a simpler life? I think pilgrimage in itself, what it offers us is a simpler existence. Um, That wasn't really the focus of my research. I focused on um, the sort of intersection and interaction of technology and pilgrimage, which I was very interested in, sort of the modern uh, as it relates to the ancient. But um, I definitely think that... Pilgrims in general are seeking answers, and answers come more easily when we're living simply and we're stripping away a lot of the distractions that can make it more difficult to find those answers. Oh, wow. Great answer. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, well, tell us then about your Camino or Caminos. Sure. Um, I walked in 2015, so about three years after I made the decision, I set foot on the Camino. Um, I was supposed to walk again this year, but I didn't because of COVID. I was yeah. one of those unfortunate souls who had to cancel my my pilgrimage this year. But I walked in 2015. I started in Roncesvalles, and I walked to St. Jean. I, I'm sorry, I walked to Santiago. Um, I ended up having to skip a portion due to injuries. So I had fully intended to walk the entire way, but I had sustained some pretty serious injuries along the way. And I ended up having to take about eight days rest to recover in total. And so I had to take a break, rest, and then sort of catch up. So this year, my plan was to sort of close the gap on what I had missed the last time, but I didn't get to do that yet. So as part of your study, did you do a lot of planning? Did you know where you're going to stay? Did you I use the term spreadsheet pilgrim sometimes. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you, you know the question, do you, do you, did you have it all planned out or were you just letting free will take you? I didn't. I sort of just set out and the, I just followed the rabbit for a long time. Wow. Um, I would walk until I was tired or there was a particular village that called to me. Um, mainly I would stop when my body said it had had enough But then after I got injured, I was forced to begin sending my pack ahead. So when I went, when I went to the, um, the medical 
um, Pilgrim facility, they said, send your pack or go home. <laughs> they didn't give me any option beyond that. So at that point, I had to start making reservations because I had to yeah. go where my pack was. Yeah, of so. course. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I often ask people if they did much research before they went. Well, you were clearly like an Uber researcher because you, <laughs> it was your, your course. So yeah. tell me then, was it what you expected when you finally stepped onto the Camino? Oh, that's a good question. I think I did do a lot of research and I did um, a lot of a lot of time online, obviously, because that was central to what I was studying was how pilgrims were sort of interacting in these online spaces. But I found it to be a wonderful resource for um, information. So I did feel like I had a good idea going in, but I don't think anything fully prepares you for taking that first step onto the Camino and then all of the challenges that follow. I think everything becomes an adventure and becomes sort of this unexpected journey. So Yeah, and we can take that with us, can't we? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder now, Ronnie, if you look back, mm-hmm. do you think pilgrimage was something that you needed? Um, as part of your life, so let's say, cast your mind back five or ten years ago, um, mm-hmm. do you think that something like pilgrimage was not missing, but it was perhaps something mm-hmm. that you could have used and and could have enjoyed? Absolutely. Mm. Um, particularly as it relates to the grief that I was experiencing at yeah. the time. You yeah. know, one of the things about the United States is I don't feel that it does a very a very good job of offering people space and time to deal with grief. We sort of have this culture of three days bereavement and then you're back at work and back to normal. Um, And we don't, I had wonderful friends and wonderful family and wonderful people around me helping me through that time. But I, I also had a sense that I couldn't fully grieve because I didn't want to be a burden, if that makes sense. Um, Oh, that makes so so much sense, Ronnie. Yeah. Go on, go on. Yeah. So I, I found the solitude to be incredibly healing because I could, I could scream, I could kick rocks. I had all of this incredible silence and space around me and I could really do all of the things that helped me heal. And I had some really beautiful and interesting experiences with um, the spirit of my mother, if you want to say that, um, while I was walking. And I found it incredibly healing. And I think in other ways too, not just with the loss of my mother, but I, I found incredible lessons and incredible tools that have helped me ever since that I feel, you know, in, in many ways, once you've done something like that, it liberates you a little bit because you feel like there's not much you can't do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just an incredible gift in so many different ways. So it's definitely pilgrimage was something that I needed and something that I benefited from. And I was every bit of pilgrim. I mean, it was interesting because I had talked to different academics, scholars, um, even scholars who had studied the Camino uh, before I went. And some of them said, you're not going to be able to be a pilgrim and a researcher. <laughs> and, you know, I took that advice and I, I listened to that, but I also disagreed with it a little bit at the end of my journey because I felt that I was every bit of pilgrim. And I also felt that my research was better 
because I was every bit a pilgrim. I, I cried and I had blisters and I had pain and I fought through all of the physical trauma that, that yeah. can happen while you're doing this incredible thing with your body. And, um, and at the end of it, you know, I felt like I had had an incredibly spiritual experience, a deep experience that was profound and has changed me. And I also satisfied my committee and they allowed me to graduate. So, um, (laughs) I, you know, at the end of the day, I felt like I was able to do both, even though it was challenging. Yeah. And I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, um, the, the Camino is a nice place for that grieving and that grief to rest, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You can leave a lot of it. I mean, the, the thing, one of the lessons that came, after I got home, I kind of thought maybe I can go home and grieve and then I will come home healed. And I, in many ways I did, but at the same time, you know, grief, you know, when you come home, even from an experience that's been cathartic, your grief is still there. You know, I I still missed my mother. I still am sad. I still have days that are really difficult, but I think there's a catharsis that comes from the experience of pilgrimage that does help you yourself back together a little bit. Yeah, that's fantastic. So just in a couple of minutes, tell us about your mom. Oh, um, she was, thank you for asking that. She was a lovely woman. She was incredibly stubborn in many ways. (laughs) Um, I love that you laugh about that when you say she was incredibly stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) That's someone who's done a lot of thinking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, um, But she she had this wonderful way of of stating every opinion as though it were fact, and um, you know, in it, in today's you know sort of social climate, that's not always a good thing. But for her, she made it charming, um, even when it was something as simple as Coke is better than Pepsi. You know, the end. Um, but she was wonderfully loving. She adored me. You know, I mean, she she had that beautiful mother's love that mm. you sort of you feel like no one's ever going to love you that way again. You know what I mean? Just we could have the most mundane of conversations. I could call and tell her I just come from the grocery store and these are all the things I bought. And she just ate it up. She was happy to hear it. And (laughs) um, it was lovely. Um, But she was, you know, she was a woman who struggled with a lot of health issues and she did that with a lot of grace and she never really complained. She just, took life as it came so she was a pillar of strength and and grace and you know, oh. just a wonderful person how lovely isn't it lovely <laughs> yeah i know i i sometimes i'm so lucky my mother is still with us she's in her mid-80s now but mm-hmm. she's just wonderful just beautiful person to spend time with and we're very blessed and i suppose there are two types of people aren't there those who have their mm-hmm. mothers and those who don't and um those yeah. who do are most grateful it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I'm interested, yeah. Ronnie, in learning more about the type of people who go on pilgrimage. And you've done a bit of research, mm-hmm. I suppose. And I want to get into the, that aspect of your research, that technology um, aspect, because that sounds fascinating. But would you say you're more of an extrovert or an introvert? I'm 100% an introvert. Um, I, I definitely recharge through solitude. And I, I do find... One thing that was interesting to me going on Camino, I can't think of another space that I can say this about, but I found it to be a space that was ideal for either introverts or extroverts um, because it does offer you that wonderful social 
you know, sociality that you have with other pilgrims and you have these wonderful encounters with other people and there's the albergues are very social, but there's also a lot of quietude. There's also a lot of time for solo thinking and and being alone and being with yourself. Um, And also one of the things that is very true for me and very true for most introverts is that small talk is very painful (laughs) and very difficult. And there's not a lot of small talk on the Camino. It's all big talk. You just dive right in and you have these incredible conversations that are all about, you know, these very personal events and they're very sort of big thinking events and really questioning life in the world and the universe and what everything means. And I, that to me was just heaven. (laughs) It was bliss. I loved it. Yeah, great answer. You know, I, I want you to to picture yourself on the Camino. Um, mm-hmm. What's one thing that can make that can instantly make your day better? Oh, that first cafe con leche—that's <laughs> yeah. where things really get kicking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now picture yourself. Now you're at home. You're a pilgrim mm-hmm. in your own community. Tell mm-hmm. us about something that you learned on the Camino that you use in your day to day life to calm you. That's a good question. I think one of the real lessons of the Camino is simplicity. And I think sort of clearing out the clutter, both literally and metaphorically, is something that I brought home. Um, I immediately started cleaning out all of my closets and getting rid of all my stuff. I felt very suffocated by a lot of things. And of course, you begin to accumulate things again, and I need to do another clean out. But I think the same can be said for sort of mentally and spiritually, um, you have to clear out the clutter of your mind. And that's something, um, that I have been trying to do. It's something I've been working on since I wasn't able to go on pilgrimage. Um, this year I've been trying to use this COVID time, this time in quarantine to sort of think through a lot of the things that I would have been contemplating while I was there. And, um, I think really focusing on clearing out the mental junk and, um, really trying to just be more peaceful with myself has been a big part of that, that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Let's step onto the Camino itself. Was there an item in your backpack that you simply couldn't live without? I, I did a lot of purging because I definitely took too many things with me Yeah. at first. Um, and as a researcher, I had additional things that um, I wouldn't have otherwise had, I had recorders and I had, um, notebooks and things like that that were weighing me down Uh, most, a lot of which ended up going as well. (laughs) But, um, I, I think, you know, really good socks were really important to me. They helped me a lot. Um, because I had issues with my knees, my poles were incredibly valuable Mm. to me, um, and helped get me to Santiago. Yeah. Socks and poles um, is socks and poles is a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> did you sleep in albergues? I did. Um I stayed in predominantly in albergues. I did in a couple of places um I had to do about I did about four rest days in Leon and I did two days in the albergue there and a couple of days in a hotel. Um so periodically I would change it up but I was almost exclusively in albergues. I did a mix of private albergues and public ones. And did and you, Yeah, did, did you find the maps and guides 
were a true representation of what you found on the Camino. I know a lot of pilgrims say the distance between one town and another is much further than the guidebooks suggest. Was that your experience? Um, Yes, I found, I used the Briarly guide when I was walking and I found his guide to be invaluable. I lost it at one point and then I, the next city I came to, I went to a bookshop and bought another one. So it absolutely was wonderful. But certainly there were days where I felt like um, the distances were, the proposed distances were a big fat lie. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, we carry on. You do what you have to do. You do, yeah. He came here for dinner, John Briley, came to my house for fish pie. Oh. Wonderful. And I asked Wonderful. him about that and he said, that's the question I could ask more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was in on the, um, he uh, did a, an interview with, in Pilgrimage in Place with Annie O'Neill and he was just lovely. He, what, that was a fantastic interview, wasn't it? Yeah, I love it was Annie. Wonderful. Annie's, Annie's fantastic. Um, yeah. Did you walk with the same people every day? I did for a while. What happened was because I got injured, I ended up having to take all those rest days and I lost my Camino family. So you sort of, um, you sort of make new family as you, as you go along. Um, so I walked with, I did have many wonderful members of my, my walking crew and they, they just sort of changed (laughs) periodically because I would, I would have to stop and they would get ahead or vice versa. So I had a few different, um, special pilgrims that I walked with. Tell us about your injuries then. Sure. So I, I think from about day four or five on, I started having pain in my knees um, that never really subsided and in fact got worse (laughs) as I walked. Um, and then when I was in one morning when I was coming out of the albergue in Castro Jerez, I walked about 10 steps out of the albergue and then I heard a popping sound and I thought my Camino was over. Um, but it turned out I, I went to the clinic and came to to find that I had just pulled a calf muscle. So um, those were my two main issues. And that's when I had to take the four days in Leon after I pulled the calf muscle. But I started taking magnesium, which actually was really helpful and helped my calf to heal pretty quickly. And the rest of the way, I was really just dealing with my knees. I was graduating to more and more elaborate knee braces as I walked. Yeah. Had you had um, knee problems before you went? Not really. Right. No, I, I think, um, I think I went out a little too hard too quickly and I think my pack was a little too heavy. And I think those two things just took a, took a toll on my knees. So yeah, they yeah. just, they weren't ready for it. Castro Heroes is a funny place. It, it feels almost like you climb to that little hill there after San, on, San Anton and you wonder, am mm-hmm. I doing the right thing? Yeah. <laughs> It was very interesting. Yeah, I, I had a, it was a very weird sort of energy I felt the entire time I was in Castro Jerez and I don't, it felt almost foreboding. It was like I knew that injury was coming somehow. Yeah. Um, it was a really interesting, How interesting place. Yeah, that we both had the same mm-hmm. experience. Uh, you, you talked about a change in yourself and, and the injuries, but did you feel that as you got fitter, you got fitter spiritually? Definitely. Um it was 
Uh, it was really interesting because I think, again, when you sort of strip away all of the distractions and all you really have to do is get up every day and walk, um, you become much more in tune with yourself and you, you just, you know, you, there's no escaping yourself. You're, you're kind of all you have (laughs) on the pilgrimage. Um, and it's, it was definitely, um, something that made me more centered, more spiritual, more, I had felt for a long time that I was just sort of drifting in my spirituality and, um, it, it definitely brought me back to a connectedness that I think I had been lacking. Yeah, I, I, I guess if someone's listening right now and they're new to the whole pilgrim experience, I should preface my next question by explaining that when you get to Santiago, provided you've walked a minimum of 100 kilometres, you get a certificate to hang on your wall. Mine's, I'm looking at mine right now. It's up above my desk here. And you can nominate if you walked for spiritual or religious reasons or or for historical and cultural reasons. Which box did you tick, Ronnie? I ticked the spiritual box. Um, I think I've never identified fully with a particular religion, um, and I've never categorized myself in that way. But I I, I have had what I consider to be spiritual experiences. I had spiritual experiences on the Camino, I think there is a connectedness to us all. There's something connecting all of us to one another. And um, I think there's something more, whatever that means. There certainly is. What made you feel most accomplished? I think really arriving in Santiago, not knowing really at any point in time (laughs) if that was going to happen because of my injuries. Um, And then finally arriving in the plaza was such a feeling of relief and a feeling of accomplishment and a feeling of pride. It definitely, um, you know, I still look upon that whole experience with a great deal of pride and a great deal of joy. It was, the whole thing really was a huge accomplishment and just a huge milestone, I think, in my life. So let's talk then about um, the reason, well, one of the reasons that she walked. Mm-hmm. How has pilgrimage changed in the wake of today's technology? It's really interesting. Um, you know, for so many years, we didn't have, you know, pilgrims have been walking this Camino for 1200 years. And for most of that, really all but the last three decades, there was no such thing as the internet. There was no such thing as social media. And when I set out to figure out sort of how I was going to approach the research, um, that was the thing that seemed like it was fresh and new and and ready to be examined. Um, And it's, it's, there's, many ways that the pilgrimage has changed as a result of technology. One, I think, important one is that it's just become more visible. Um, There are so many more people that know about the Camino now because of technology, because people are talking about it on social media, because there are podcasts like yours talking about it, because there are um, films and 
documentaries and web series and all of these different, you know, YouTube videos, all of these different channels for people to access the, the Camino and learn about it and read about it. And that has had a tremendous impact on how many people go, you know, you, you see somebody post on Facebook that they're in, um, they're in Spain getting ready to do this thing. And you're thinking, what's that, you know, or, or you happen upon a blog or something like that. Um, and there's a lot of conversation as there should be about what's good and bad about that. What we know, should we allow ourselves to be distracted in that way? Um, there's a lot to be said about um, sort of this internal self-reflective um, time, you know, that the pilgrimage offers us and mm. how that's being affected by um, the sort of self-promotion of, of social media, right? You're sort of um, putting yourself out there, you know, to be seen and, um, you know, blogging versus journaling. If you're writing for an audience versus writing for yourself, how does your writing change? Um, there are a lot of considerations, but um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, no, it, it, it most certainly does. I think one of the great benefits as well is that it enables pilgrims to stay in touch on the Camino and after the Camino. I, yeah, I turned 50 on my first Camino and I met a Spanish fellow. I only ever shared one meal with him, but we exchanged numbers. And, and on my 50th birthday, I got a happy birthday from him via WhatsApp. And now every year on my birthday, Mm -hmm. I get a message from him to say happy birthday, which is just so fantastic, isn't it? You know, I I don't know anything really about him and he probably doesn't know anything about me, but he takes the time to say happy birthday, which I think is just beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah. And it's been incredible. It's been incredible to see what has happened um, as a result of COVID with respect to the pilgrim community, because, you know, now because of the virus, we've had to, you know, the pilgrimage has essentially slowed to a stop, which hasn't happened in 1200 years. And now what you're seeing is people beginning to engage online with their pilgrim communities in different ways. Um, I have a, I run a Facebook page for a local chapter. I run the Oklahoma, I'm uh, one of the leaders of the Oklahoma chapter um, for American pilgrims on Camino. And, you know, we have a Facebook page and we're communing with one another. And then we've done Zoom chats. You know, you've got um, sites like Pilgrimage in Place that are bringing people together for weekly roundtables. We had that wonderful concert with you where pilgrims all over the world were coming together and singing and, you know, having a wonderful time. And it's just, you know, there are a lot of things that we should be concerned about with respect to what social media and what technology is doing to our brains and doing to us as social creatures and all of these different things. But there are also a lot of opportunities for really beautiful moments and really incredible ways of coming together and communing that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Yeah, I I have in the past fantasized, because it's fantasy, about Mm -hmm. walking the Camino with no phone Mm -hmm. and and just switching off. I can't do that because my family is back here in Australia. I need to be Mm -hmm. in touch. You know, I I can't just go off the grid for four weeks. It it just can't happen. But it would be a fantastic thing to do. Just to walk mm-hmm. with no mobile phone. I mean, then you've mm-hmm. got to then you've got to take a camera. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, yep. it, it's it's a great 
concept, but in reality, it simply yeah. doesn't fit into our reality, does it? In 2020. Yeah, I think, yeah. There's a real sort of romantic ideology that we have about um, sort of technology-free spaces. And I think there's a one of the things that I've written about is there's a particular sort of emotional, visceral reaction that we have to technology as it intersects with pilgrimage because it's it's this intersection of the sacred and the profane. And we see technology often as this encroachment into the sacred space of pilgrimage. And um, that's understandable. You know, it, you know, we've all had the experience if we've walked in recent years of walking into an albergue and seeing every single pilgrim hunched over their smartphone instead of talking to one another. Mm. Um, and that is something I think that we should be mindful of. Um, but there's also, you know, as I said, you know, as you said, you can stay in touch with people while you're on pilgrimage. It's It allowed me while I was walking to, I think, deepen some of my connections because we, uh, you know, I was able to keep in touch with different pilgrims and know where they were and, and what, you know, what albergue they were staying at so we could stay at the same one yeah. or, you know, those different kinds of things. Whereas if we were just left to the mercy of, of fate, you know, I may have never seen them again. So, yeah, there's there are positives and negatives to be sure. Yeah, that's right. I, I love it, and <laughs> yeah, the technological aspect of it. What a fascinating insight! Because I mean, it's you would have no doubt found that it's created extraordinary cha um, change to the culture of mm -hmm. this ancient pilgrimage, and yet yeah. we we are living it, aren't we? We're right. We're yeah. right at the forefront of it. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's no question. Mm. There's no question that's affecting. I mean, if you, you could walk by and see sort of, you know, nailed into a tree, you know, a website for a particular albergue, things like that. Yeah. Um, those are things you wouldn't have seen long ago. No, that's right. All right. Now back to my script here, because um, I, I remember <laughs> I'm trying to do my research and finding out more about pilgrims. Can I ask you a very personal question? Ronnie, your name, R-O-N-I, is it short for something? It's not. Um, I was actually named after my father. Uh, my father's name was Ronald K. Jackson, and my name was Ronnie K. Jackson. So um, wow. most of the time, yeah, most of the time when you see Ronnie, it is a, an abbreviation for something like Veronica or Rhonda, but mine is not. Ronnie, there you go. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so great. You're yeah. named after your dad. Yeah. So do you have brothers? I do. It's funny. Um, so my mother used to tell me that every time I'm the third of three children and the only girl, um, she told me that every time, you know, one of us was born, she would sort of look at my dad and say, okay, can we name this one after you? And he said, nope, nope. And then <laughs> I, I sort of sprang onto the scene. Um, surprisingly, I was a surprise baby. And then I came out and he said, she's Ronnie. <laughs> so That's so great. What's it, yeah. like, what's it like going through life considering yourself as a surprise baby? <laughs> that must be awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, it, it was fun. We had a lot of fun with it. You know, my, my brothers are both quite a bit older than me. Uh, my oldest brother is 17 years older than me. So I was very much a surprise uh, 
to him and to both my parents when I, <laughs> when I That's so great. That is so yeah. great. If yeah. you could snap, um, this is more about my learning more about Pilgrim's campaign. If you could snap <laughs> your fingers and instantly make the world better, what would you do? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I um, I was listening to another guest on one of your podcasts. I think it might have been Kathy. Uh, and she said, if everyone in the world were to walk a pilgrimage, we would have a more peaceful world. Mm. And I really think that that is true. I think that you learn so much about peaceful coexistence when you're sharing a room with a hundred of your closest neighbors. Um, I think that you learn compassion and you learn sort of what we owe to one another as humans. Um, you learn to, to be good stewards to one another. And I really think, I think that would be a wonderful thing if everyone could have the experience of walking a pilgrimage. Yeah. I've told this story before in, I won't say the name of the city, but in one of the big cities, um, the fellow on the bunk above me was clearly having some form of post-traumatic stress horrors, screaming in the night, bl- blood-curdling screaming and, wow. and waking up everybody. And the next day, uh, oh, about two hours into the walk, I saw him as sitting alone in a cafe and I said, would you like breakfast I'll buy you breakfast and he said oh no you're the third person who's offered me breakfast no and I and I thought oh well there you go you see rather yeah. than people going yeah. going crooked him people were caring for him <laughs> which I thought was really lovely yeah. really lo- that is lovely yeah did you receive any piece of Camino advice or a motto that you take with you that or you'd like to share with us really I don't know that it's a motto but I really think just the act of goodwill, you, you know, Annie, as uh, Annie O'Neill is a good friend of mine, and she um, talks about her experience with the German pilgrim who carried her pack mm. when she was injured. Yeah. And she likes to say, you know, who can you be a German pilgrim for today? And I love that. I love that concept of, you know, whose backpack can you carry today? Whose load can you lighten today when you go out into the world? I think that's a really lovely thought. Yeah, I like that. If, if I could pick you up and place you at one place on the Camino, where would it be and why? Oh, goodness. I really fell in love with Molina Seca. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought... I. I came into that village and I just thought it was the most beautiful mm. place I had seen. It it just really grabbed a hold of me and captured my heart. I like to take photographs as well. And I, I, I love looking back at my pictures, even though they're not of great quality. I didn't have a very nice, you know, I didn't have a camera or anything with me and my phone wasn't of great quality then, but I still love looking at my pictures of Molina Seca because it's just such a picturesque, beautiful place. Yeah, down by the, down by the river. What, yeah. what month were you there? Do you remember? I walked in September and October, so I was there in the fall. Yeah. And this time I was going to walk in the spring, so sort of see how that differed. And 
Yeah, it's a beautiful city in the spring and summer. It's not a city, a little town. It's a beautiful town in the yeah. spring and the summer with the with the river and there's the canopy of the trees there. I don't know what type of trees they are, but the Spanish have that yeah. great ability to sort of tie the trees almost so that they, they build a canopy almost overnight and you can yeah. all, all sit along the river's edge there. It's a beautiful place. absolutely loved it. Yeah, I've been there yeah. quite a few times. Um, I, I guess you've already answered this question, Ronnie, but I was going to ask, do you think the Camino changed you? Um, definitely. I, I think it continues to change me. I don't think it's finished with me. Um, you know, I continue to meet wonderful pilgrims all the time who, um, who astonished me with their loveliness and who continue to teach me about how to be better. I'm definitely still a work in progress. <laughs> and so, mm. um, I think I still look back to my time on Camino and look to my experience that I still have with other pilgrims and meeting new pilgrims as they come into my orbit. And I'm, I'm made better by all of them. I I've been really, really, fortunate in my time on this earth to become a part of the pilgrim community and to meet so many lovely people. Oh, wow. I agree. I'm the, I feel the same way, but nobody's ever said it like that before. <laughs> there you go. You're, I think, 181 interviews I've done and nobody said it like that before. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. I really like that. I, too, am very grateful. I, I think about it all the time how grateful I am that I have an opportunity to talk to people about something that's very special in their lives, something they love. Quite often it's transformed their lives. And I I just think I'm really lucky. I really treasure the opportunity to be able to do it and the gift. I think it's wonderful. Um, You mentioned that you wanted to go back this year. It's probably mm-hmm. unlikely that we, any of us will be really back. I know that there was about 120 pilgrims arrived in the pilgrim's office yesterday, but I suspect they are more than their locals or, or, or within the Schengen community. Uh, is it something that you want to be a big event when you go back? Now that you don't have to do the research, it won't be an mm-hmm. academic adventure. Mm-hmm. What will be the spirit and, and nature of, of your next Camino, do you think? Um, I definitely am looking forward to a journey that's just a journey and doesn't have to include research. I I don't think I'll ever stop observing. You know, I'm still curious. I'm still writing about technology in the Camino, and I'm still curious to see what's happening in that arena. Um, But I definitely am curious to see how it's changed in the past five years, because I'm sure it's changed in many ways. Um, I, I'm looking forward to just sort of seeing how it feels and if it feels different and how, um, and just, you know, just who I will encounter, who I'll meet, um, lots of things to look forward to. Did you publish your findings from your Camino and your study into technology? I, I put a moratorium on my, um, on my dissertation, but it's about to run out at the end of this year. So it will be published online at that time. Okay. Um, and it will be available for public viewing. I'm also still working on, on a book. So I'm in the process of writing a book and I'm very excited to include all of the, you know, the new sort of 
world that we're living in now and, and including some of the post-COVID um, experiences as well that we're having. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a new world it is. What do you say, Ronnie, to people thinking of walking the Camino? I say go for it. I think, you know, it's it's such a transformative experience. And even if you don't necessarily get out of it what you think you're going to get out of it, I think you're going to get something out of it. You're going to get time with yourself. You're going to get insight. You're going to meet wonderful people. Um, you know, just go in with an open heart and be ready to receive the gifts that are made available to you. Tell us a Camino story, Pilgrim. Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, I walked with a great deal of pain. Um, I had one day where I was coming into San Juan de Ortega. That was my destination. And it was just a day where I was really, really hurting. And I, I got to a sign that said I had about two kilometers to go. And I just hit the wall. And I... I didn't think I had two more kilometers in me, so I sat down, and I probably sat there for about 30 minutes and rested and sort of collected myself, and, you know, you can sit there for so long in the woods before you realize your options are sleep in the woods or keep going, <laughs> and so I took off my trail runners, and I strapped on my sandals, and I hoisted myself up and I kept going and I, I hobbled my way two more kilometers into the town and I decided to go to mass that evening. I mentioned earlier, I'm not a particularly religious person, but um, I had intended to attend some masses along the way. I was um, curious both as a researcher and spiritually in that experience. And so I, um, decided to go to mass and it was an incredibly moving beautiful mass the priest had blessed these beautiful cross necklaces and presented them to all the pilgrims in attendance and I just had tears running down my face as he put the necklace around my neck and um, made my way back to the albergue that evening and there was a pilgrim named Walt who was playing guitar he had brought a guitar with him and everyone was in the lobby just singing and dancing and there was this wonderful merriment in the albergue and I just this incredible sense came over me of uh feeling like my body and my spirit were diverging and just this sort of recognition that you know even though my body was sort of broken and I was hurting that my spirit was soaring and I, and those two things were sort of divergent they weren't the same thing and you know so it was it was this incredible moment and this incredible feeling um that happened in, that evening and it, it was a really special memory oh wow that's great i love that music on the camino is such a great thing isn't it someone pulls out a guitar yes. or a ukulele and you all sing along yeah. and those whiling away those long spanish evenings with a, yes. bit of, with a bit of music just sort of drifting across a courtyard is a gorgeous thing, isn't it? 
It was wonderful. Yeah. It was so much fun. We yeah. had a great time. You know, Ronnie, I have a feeling you're always going to be moving forward. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me and my listeners. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really want to pass on my congratulations for your mm-hmm. love for your mother. It's, mm-hmm. It was such a beautiful, unexpected twist to have your mother part of our conversation too. Thank you. That's very special. I really appreciate it. Walk on. I hope our paths cross one day, Pilgrim. But until then, buen camino. Buen camino. My guest this week, the American Pilgrim, Ronnie Jackson Kerr. Martin Luther King said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. I began the podcast by asking myself, really, why am I walking this Camino? And I said, we're often astounded by the reason. And I suppose it depends on the answer you were expecting. We so often surround ourselves with layers of protection. Well, I received a wonderful text just during this interview, actually, from my friend Mandy, who was a great friend of my late brother Leo's. She just says, don't hide your true self. You never know who may be out there looking for exactly who you are. There's a great message in there for all of us in these troubled times. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. We'll get there. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. With me it's all or nothing Is it all or nothing with you It can't be in between It can't be now and then No half and half romance will do With me it's all or nothing Is it all or nothing with you It can't be in between It can't be now and then No half and half romance will do